Oh, man. Preacher's got an axe. I'm going to need a volunteer this morning. Anybody want to volunteer? No, I'm just kidding. Um, my name is Chris Genders. I am the uh, youth pastor for the church, and which means I just get to be a kid and uh, teach kids about Jesus. So I uh, love my job in that role. Um, I grew up in a small town, uh, kind of like Metamora and Germantown Hills. We were a little farm town called Newton, Illinois. I don't know if anybody heard of Newton. That's right. It's small. Um, we were the county seat. We had uh, two stoplights. Um, we had the courthouse. We had 2,800 people. And my family moved from Indiana. Um, my parents grew up in Indianapolis area, uh, suburban Indianapolis. And my dad had a job. He worked for my, my grandfather. And we moved over. My dad built a house um, about 15 miles outside of Newton. We weren't farmers, but we lived in farm country. So my first jobs were, were baling hay, walking bean fields. I never detasseled. Um, I had an older brother and sister that uh, paved the way for me on that. I heard all the horror stories, so I never did that. Um, but my dad built our house. And it uh, seems to me, in retrospect, he forgot a few things uh, when he built a house, such as a furnace. Um, I don't call me crazy. Um, maybe an air conditioner. Uh, maybe a, a water line that went to a reliable water source. Um, I had a unique childhood. Uh, we, we hauled water from town uh, about two or three times a week. We had a pickup truck, had a big old tank in the back of it, and uh, we had a cistern. We didn't have a well. We didn't, there wasn't city water out there. There wasn't country water or any water source. There wasn't a, a well we could dig into. And so they had just dug a hole in the ground, lined it with cement, and we filled it with water about two or three times a week. And it was just, I didn't think anything of it. That's how I grew up. Um, we, uh, showers were interesting, um, you know, with that little bit of water. And so we had two sisters, and we always fought over the shower. Uh, we didn't have a furnace, which meant we heated our house, part of our house, with a wood-burning stove. Um, it wasn't one of those fancy furna- wood furnaces like what you see now where you put all the wood in there and it heats the whole house. No, this heated like one room of the house, okay? It was like this great room that we had. It was like our living room area. And it was this big cast iron stove. And um, I, I grew up, I didn't think anything of it. Um, we just, we got wood all the time. And I was one of the guys that went out and we split wood constantly. Um, for this fireplace. And I love splitting wood. Um, I remember my first year here, um, you know, my family wasn't down here yet. And I'm looking over here at Mark, because Mark, you're coming to the story. And uh, I, w- I was, I didn't have a lot of friends yet down here. I didn't know a lot of people. And I was just kind of homesick. And, and I'm like, I went to Mark one day at work. I'm like, can I borrow an axe? I need to go split wood. Because um, it's just going to remind me of home, right? And so I grew up splitting wood. And I was pretty good at it. I still am. Um, what would you say, though, if I said that an axe helped me make one of the most important next steps in my Christian life ever. I'll come back to that. We're big on next steps here at Great Oaks. We believe everybody has a next step towards God. Whether you've been walking with God for for 80 seconds or 80 years, we all have a next step to draw closer to God and become more like Christ. And so you'll hear us use this phrase, next steps, um, all the time. In fact, when you walk out of here today, uh, you'll see a new little spot in the foyer. It's going to be there every Sunday. It's called Next Steps. And we just want to talk to you every week about a potential next step uh, that you might want to take in your life. Last week, we had um, numerous, numerous people. Um, I think it was like 15 or 16 that gave their lives to Christ for the very first time and, pin- and nailed this up on the cross. The rest of these were, were rededications, people who realized they had walked away from God a little bit. Um, don't know all their stories, but, but they knew they needed to come back to God. And so last week, Bill Totten, and if you were here, you saw the people come forward while the band played, and they picked up that hammer, and it was like giving it to Christ one more time. And can we just give a round of applause for all of these people? 
No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You see, Scripture tells us that when somebody accepts Christ, when the one comes back to God, that the angels in heaven applaud and throw a party. And I kind of think that if the angels can throw a party, maybe we can do a little better than just golf clap. So here, let me just, seriously, okay? Because these are people that for the, maybe the, I mean, 15 to 16 of them, for the very first time, publicly walked up in front of hundreds of people and said, I am going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to be different. I'm going to stand out from the rest of the world. I surrender my life to him. And all these other people came forward and said, you know, I've been walking with God and I just, I've lost it and I just need to get back into it. And that deserves more than what we just gave. And so can we give one more time for all the people that were here last Sunday who walked forward? Give it up to those guys. There we go. That's better. That's better. Um, I want to talk to some of you that maybe came up last week, uh, those that dedicated their lives for the first time. And then there's others of you in here as well, uh, that this might be your next step. Um, one of the things that, that we see in Scripture that people would take as their first step after accepting Christ was baptism. And it's just a, an outward expression of an inward change. It's symbolic of, of what Christ did for us in dying, being buried, and raising again. And it's coming in front of your church family and saying, I want to publicly declare once again my life, my loyalty to Christ. And so we have a couple opportunities for baptism coming up, uh, September 23rd and November 18th. We have two of those set for this fall. And our next steps display out here is to talk to you about baptism. If you would like to take that step of baptism, I'll be out there after service uh, manning that table, and I would love to just explain more about what it is, talk about the processes we do. If you've been around, you've seen the video, uh, we've made that completely optional. Bill left one time on vacation. Nate and I changed everything. Um, he's gone again this weekend. Don't know what's going to happen now. Um, but we made the video optional, and so you can come up and be baptized and not say a word. You can do the video. We'd love to hear your story. You can talk on stage. We'll kind of interview you a little bit. Um, whatever. We want your story to be shared, and we just want to celebrate with you in the act of baptism. So we would love to be a part of that. Uh, talk to me after the service this morning. Um, also, we have the story, which we're starting next Sunday. And the story is going to be a 31-week study that we do on Sunday mornings in our small groups and student ministry and children's ministry. It's a whole church initiative. And we're just going to go from Genesis to Revelation, hitting on 31 of the most important stories um, or characters, people, uh, throughout the Bible. And we are excited about this. We hope that you join us uh, during this. We have books available. I don't, you might have one in their hands. Hold it up. Maybe, no. All right, there's a booth outside. Um, we encourage each family to have a book and to read along. And so you have homework already. You have homework for the start of the story series. Next Sunday, Bill is going to teach, and he would like you to read chapter 1 of the story. If you don't own the book yet, go out and you can buy it out there. It's $10. There's a student edition as well for middle school and high school uh, for $8. And uh, we're reading along students as well. So your homework for next week, everybody, chapter 1. Sound good? Say it, say it with me. Your homework is... There we go. Good, good. Bill has been teaching through um, this series, you know, What is a Christian? And, and we talked through um, wh what he described and talked about our, our core values. And so I, I think we have a slide here of these five core values. Um, these are basic elementary things that we want you to understand about what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ. Uh, and, and so these five things are um, found people, find people. Saved people serve people. Growing people change. You can't do life alone. You can't outgive God. 
Um, as we look at these things, these are our core values as a church. When you look at what it means to be a member of Great Oaks, we want you to embrace these five things. This is kind of your calling card, your mission to carry out these five things. And they're, they're very basic, they're very elementary, and we're going to partner with you in helping discover how to do that. Today, I want to talk to you, we've talked through, all four, through four of them so far, I want to talk to you about saved people, uh, serve people. If you have your bulletin, go and pull that out. I've got some fill in the blanks there for you. You can follow along, and uh, if you don't have a pen or a Bible, feel free to get up and grab one uh, back there while I'm teaching. I always like a big idea. I always like to give you just one, if you walk away with one thing uh, from the message, this is what I want you to walk away with. Uh, if you were a follower of Christ, then you were called to serve others. Plain and simple. If you were a follower of Christ, then you were called to serve others. Uh, to serve simply means to put the needs of others before your own. Uh, to find a way to improve the lives of others. It could be in, in very small ways or in very big and dramatic ways. Uh, serving isn't something that's just for the super spiritual or, or the really mature in faith. It's, it's elementary level practice as a follower of Christ. It's basic um, instructions that we have as a follower of Christ. It's kind of like my son Ethan. He's 10. And ever since he was like five, six years old, um, I, I've taught him a lot of things. But one of the very basic things is uh, when you get to a door, you open the door and hold it for other people. You don't walk through, right? Uh, we teach, you know, courtesy and chivalry. And, uh, and so just every time, and I'm like, don't even think about it. Just go and you see a door, you see somebody coming, whether it's your family or a stranger, just open the door and stand there and hold it for him. You don't have to think about it. Let it be second nature. Uh, serving is supposed to be like that. It's basic. It's simple. It's supposed to be second nature for us as followers of Christ. Uh, when my wife and I graduated high, or high school, college, um, she became a Christian her senior year of high school. I became a Christian my freshman year of college. Uh, we met at Eastern Illinois University, got involved in campus ministry there, and uh, we just learned a lot. I mean, that was kind of our Bible college years, if you will. Uh, learned what it is to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christian. How, what do you believe? How do you live that out? Um, what does that look like in a daily life? Uh, so we moved up to Chicagoland, and we got plugged into this little church called Fox Valley Christian Church, and, and we discovered we liked it, we were going to be, become members there, and that was going to be our home church. And so I remember I called up Dan, the lead pastor, and I said, hey, can I come in and talk to you and just meet with you? And he's like, sure, you know, come on in. And uh, so we came in and, and kind of got to know each other a little bit, and I said, okay, what do you want us to do? And he's like, what do you mean, what do I want you to do? I said, well, this is our home church, so where do, you want us, where do you want us to serve? What do you want us to do? We're here. And he just kind of sat there, and he sat back, and he goes, people don't ask me that, Chris. And that just broke my heart. As a pastor now, that just broke my heart. And I went, what do you mean? And he goes, people don't come in and ask me, what do you want me to do? Like, we're constantly making announcements, we're recruiting, we're doing volunteer fairs, we're, we're bending arms, we're paying people. I mean, we've got to figure out ways to get people to serve. People, this is interesting. And I was like, well, this is what we learned in campus ministry. This is what it means to be a Christian, right? And so that's what we're going to do. So what do you want us to do? And so he said, well, you're young. Go hang out with the kids in youth ministry. Okay. So I've been doing youth ministry since 1996 uh, when I first went to this guy and said, what do you want me to do? I, my, my message today, it's, it's not deeply theological, although I love deep theology. This is just practical. This is first grade theology. This is cookies on the lower shelf. Everybody should be reaching for this and pursuing this. This is basic elementary teaching about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so I've got a couple of questions there for you. Why? Why do I serve? I think the first answer to that is because God first served us. 
God looked at us as humanity and realized we needed to be served through his son. And so he sent his son Jesus, a member of the Trinity, to earth to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, to conquer death so that we can be reunited with God, so that we can enter into the presence of God. God served us, and we serve because he did that for us. Not because we try to earn it, not because we, we try to impress God. And there's a big difference there. A lot of people will live their Christian life uh, thinking that they can do certain things, go to church, be in a small group, serve other people, give enough money. And if they do those things, God is going to be happy with them. God is going to love them. That's not the case at all. God loves you regardless of those things. We do those things because of that love. It's our motivation, not why we serve, but because of that, we are motivated to action. We're motivated to give. We're motivated to attend church. Uh, We serve because God first served us. We love Because God first loved us. We forgive because God first forgave us. Do you see the difference? When you you discover that your motivation for doing things is because of the immeasurable love that God has poured out on you, why you do things changes. You can't earn that love. You can't volunteer in a ministry, even in middle school ministry, and earn God's favor. God loves us. And because of that love, we serve others. And when he sent his son Jesus, he demonstrated that for us here on earth. Uh, Jesus in Matthew uh, 20, 28 says that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And we as followers of Christ are to look to Christ, to live like him, to follow his teachings and his way of life. And if he came to serve others, and God has poured out immeasurable love on us, and that's our motivation then we should serve, plain and simple. It's not deeply theological, like I said. Why do we serve? Because God first served us. Secondly, because the Bible tells us to serve. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things in the Bible I don't understand. And that fact alone doesn't concern me. What concerns me are those areas that I do understand, but I find myself ignoring Those areas where I read it and I understand it and I go, yep, God says it, and I turn and go the other way. And we all have those areas in our lives. And for many of us, serving is one of those things. Uh, Jesus taught one time, Matthew chapter 25. He says, "If if you see somebody hungry, feed them. If you see somebody naked, clothe them. If you see somebody who's without a home, give them shelter. If you see somebody in prison, go visit them. If you see somebody sick, take care of them. And he goes on and he says, those things you do for them, for the least of these people, you do for me. And and Jesus is kind of setting this this benchmark here that that how we interact with each other as human beings is indicative of our love for God. Uh, We can't say that we love God and ignore the suffering and the pain and the hurt and the needs of other people around us. God says those two are, are not compatible. And the early church knew this. They got this. The early church stood out in their culture in that day because of how they took care of the the sick and the needy and the homeless and the hurting. And even the the Roman government took note of it. And they're like, there's something different about this group. And and they they tried, you know, there were times where they tried to shut them down. Other times they just knew that they were taking care of so many people. It was just, it was impossible. The people loved the Christians in the early days. We had an opportunity this summer to take some high school students 
on a mission trip. We called it Route 25, based off of Matthew 25 passage. Uh, we took him to six different cities and served in six different ministry environments. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that the most impacting and most life-changing uh, moments for the students were when they got to partner side-by-side with people who were hurting. Um, we had opportunities to serve in, in food pantries, um, but we worked with the leaders. We had opportunity to, to serve in an urban farm at a school in Memphis, but we worked with the people who ran the farm, not with the inner-city kids. Um, we had an opportunity then to go to Nashville, And in Nashville, we worked side-by-side with men and women who were in addiction recovery programs. Uh, We had an opportunity to go to Indianapolis, and we did homeless ministry on Saturday night, downtown Indianapolis, and um, on the streets, and then also in the homeless camps. And this is a picture, uh, we've shown it before, but it's just perfect for this message, of some students and their, their, I don't know if you can see it, but um, there's a guy in a baseball cap, kind of in the center, and uh, he doesn't have a shirt on. Um, That's Guitar Jimmy. Uh, Guitar Jimmy lives in the woods underneath Interstate 70 in Indianapolis, as far as I know, still does. And in this picture, he was praying for the students. And he was talking about how they're coming down and talking with him and interacting with him and praying with him and and helping him out. Uh, Blessed him, and he just wanted to bless them in whatever way he could. This is basic teaching of the Bible. God says, do this. Uh, James says it this way. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Imagine if we had gone down to Guitar Jimmy and we said, hey, uh, Jimmy, I know you need food and we don't have any. I know you need clothes. I mean, you're not even wearing a shirt, but sorry, we don't have that either. But we want you to know that God loves you. How's he going to receive that? Really? We put our faith into action. Our faith becomes tangible by how we serve people who are in need. This verse in James says, suppose a, a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Um, just fill in the blank here. Suppose a, a blank is without what? Suppose a a child is without food. Suppose a a student is without a loving parent. Suppose a a man is without friends. He's all alone in the world. Suppose a mom is without a break from her kids. Suppose a family is without a safe home. What are we, as followers of Christ, called to do? We meet those needs. Whether they be emotional, relational, physical, and by meeting those needs, we have an opportunity to introduce them to the greatest spiritual need they have, and that's for a Savior. We serve because God first served us, because the Bible tells us to. I thought about singing the song before the Bible tells me so, but I won't. So where do we serve? Hopefully I've compelled you with, you know, the astounding theology of, you know, Scripture um, for why you should serve, but where do you serve? I think there's two places. Uh, You serve wherever your giftedness and your passions blend together. Wherever your giftedness and your passions meet and come together. Um, It's this little equation. I love math, but giftedness plus passion equals service. And the Bible tells us that that God has given each one of us unique gifts and unique talents and abilities. And we're supposed to use them to serve other people. It says this in 1 Peter 4 verse 10. Uh, This is the New Living Translation. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. 
Use them well to serve one another. So this Acts. I was in uh, college, sophomore year. I uh, had met a girl. It wasn't Karen. It was the girl before Karen. And uh, we started dating. And uh, she introduced me to this place called the Campus House, the Christian Campus Fellowship, the ministry we were a part of, that we became a part of. And, um, you know, I wasn't always this outgoing, charismatic, good-looking guy that I am now. <laughs> I was a little insecure. I had hair that messed up the head. You know, it was just, it was bad. But I, I knew Kelly, right? And so I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to church on Sundays because Kelly was there. Um, I'm doing this small group thing because Kelly was in a small group. And, but I didn't really know a lot of people, right? And I was struggling to kind of connect with the guys. And, and she was like, you know, you should go down and you should hang out with, with the guys sometime at the campus house. There were some guys that lived there. And I was like, okay, that's all right. You know, I'll go. And I didn't really get, we didn't have much in common. Like, I was finding it really, really hard to connect with people in the church other than Kelly. And we had this thing come up. One day in church on Sunday morning, um, Roger, our campus pastor, gets up and he says, Hey, um, we're looking for volunteers. Okay, I've heard this before. He says, We're going to go to this uh, children's home in Missouri. And it's a great home. It's a children's home. They've got like five houses there. And these families take in troubled kids ranging from uh, newborns all the way through high school students. And he said they live with them, they, they teach them, um, they homeschool them there, they, they do everything on this kind of camp property thing. And they heat all their homes with wood-burning stoves. I went, really? I know that. And they said, so um, every year we go in January, and in one weekend we split wood for all five of the homes for their entire year. We stock up their barn with fresh-cut wood, and we need volunteers to go and swing axes and run chainsaws. And I went, I can do that. And so we went on this trip, and I didn't know very many people at this point. You know, I knew Kelly. And, and we go on this trip, and we got the road trip. I'm kind of getting to know people. And we go out on the first day out into the field, and we get up early in the morning. We're riding the tractors out to the, the woods, and, and uh, this big shot senior was talking to the young know, freshmen, the newbies, about how to split wood. And so I'm just kind of curious. I'm, like, listening in. And he's given very detailed instructions. And he gets out there, and he gets his log out, and he grabs the ax by the end like this. And it, it was, wasn't an axe. It was a maul. It was like an eight-pound maul. Twelve, I don't know how big it was. It was heavy. And he's like, boom. And he like sinks it in that far. And I was like, dude, you do not know how to split wood. You should not be teaching, how to people split, teaching people how to split wood. So, you know, I got my maul and I got my log. And he's like, Chris, you need some help? I said, ah, let me try it. Let me, see, let me see if I can do this, right? And so I line up the log. And you can read a log. I don't know if you know this. If you split wood, but you can read a log. You know where the, the best place to split it is if you've got, got the knowledge, the experience. So I, I get this log, and I stand there, and I go, boom, boom. Split it all the way down, but that far in one swing. And he goes, you've done this before, haven't you? Maybe a little bit. I became really, really good friends with guys those three days splitting wood in the, in, in the farm. Because it's, it's what I knew. It was an ability I had. And, and I learned that you can use something like splitting wood. Who knew? To honor Christ. To become a part of the family of God. And I came back from that trip with friendships um, that, that I still have today. People that I'm still connected with. And, and I became an active part of the student ministry because of that trip. Because I knew how to split wood and somebody gave me an opportunity to use my giftedness to combine it with a passion for Christ. I became a leader in the campus ministry. I became who I am today because of an axe. My giftedness, swinging an axe. 
my passion, swinging an axe. Um, it wasn't really about Christ at that point. But they blended together. And I became a follower of Christ. I took a huge next step. I discovered that, that you can serve God. I discovered that the Christian life is meant to be lived together. And so what's your giftedness? What's your, your passion? Maybe it's teaching and mentoring and you love students. Uh, we'd love to have you in student ministry. Maybe it's, it's teaching and it's kids. Dan would love to have you in kids town. Maybe it's teaching and, and it's adults. And uh, we got the story that we're doing. We have small groups of meeting in people's homes all over the place. And we need more leaders. We need more hosts. And we would love to talk to you about that. Maybe it's an organizational ability and, and your passion is feeding kids. Uh, we, we see some women in the church that have rallied around the snack pack program because they had the ability to organize and they had a passion for feeding kids. Uh, maybe it's music and you just love Jesus. You love to worship. Uh, join the worship team. Maybe you've got a green thumb and, and you love to feed people. Join the community garden. Uh, maybe it's, it's evangelism. You love telling people about Christ and you love foreign missions. I mean, that's just a passion of yours. And so get involved in the Basque program or the Locker program. Maybe it's, it's home maintenance, and, and you love this building, this property. Mark would love to talk to you about campus management and being a part of that team. Maybe it's hospitality, and, and you love meeting new people. And Carol would love to have you on the First Impressions team to be the first face that, that new people have as they come in the building. Serving within the church gives you an opportunity to experiment and discover your giftedness, discover your passions. It's a safe place to try that. But it's not the only place. And, and, and our challenge for you is don't let church be the only place that you serve other people. You've got to take it outside the walls of the building. And there may be times where God calls you to do something really incredible, really powerful, really dangerous, and life-threatening. But because God calls you, you go. I have a video here. It's, it's about six minutes. It's a woman that we met uh, through the Willow Creek's Global Leadership Summit called Pranitha Timothy. Uh, she works for an organization called International Justice Mission. And I just want you to hear her story uh, from her. Human trafficking. Second largest black market industry after the sale and distribution of drugs. Globally. Is God calling us as Great Oaks to be a part of the human trafficking, the rescue, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that he might be calling one of you. One of you may have a unique giftedness, a unique experience. And you showed up at church today, and all of a sudden you discovered an abomination and a passion of fire starts to burn inside of you. And you realize there's organizations out there that go in and rescue slaves. And we may not as a church, but you may as an individual decide to go and be a part of that. Because God calls you to serve. Troy and Jerry Masters, we've had on the stage here, uh, missionaries through our denomination to the Yolanka in Africa. They were a husband and wife sitting in church one day, and they learned about the Yolanka people, and this, this little flame started to grow in their life. And it began, God began to, through the Holy Spirit, blow on it and flame, uh, fan it into a flame. And all of a sudden now, in two weeks, they're moving their family to Africa. And they're going to serve the Yolanka people over there. They just have a, a passion for whatever God would call them to do. So maybe you have a giftedness, maybe you have a passion, and those two things will blend together. But I think there's also times where we, we just serve wherever help is needed. 
It doesn't have to match our giftedness. It doesn't have to match our passions. It's just a need in the church or in the community. And all of a sudden you see it and you go, hey, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm supposed to serve. I'm supposed to meet a need. And it may not be my skill set. It may not be what I'm most passionate about. Uh, but they're calling an all-hands-on-deck moment, and i got to respond. Uh, we see this when natural disasters happen. Uh, we see doctors and lawyers and teachers and stay-at-home moms and students and kids uh, rolling up their sleeves and serving side-by-side. Side. They may not know how to rescue people, but they work alongside firemen and police and ambulance personnel who do. And it's just an all-hands-on-deck moment. And we have those as a church. I mean, Community Bash was an all-hands-on-deck. We needed hundreds of volunteers, and we got them. Uh, we have the, the cross-country sectional meet. And you, you may not love to run. You may, not, you may hate to run, but you, you, it's an all-hands-deck moment for us as a church, and we need volunteers to serve in that. Uh, Thanksgiving outreach is we, we put together the, the Thanksgiving boxes for people in need. You don't have to have any special gift or passion for that. It's just a need that we can meet as a church. And so you respond. Maybe it's an area of giftedness and passion. Maybe it's just a need, and you see it in front of you, and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life and say, go meet that need. See, you're on a mission. If you are a follower of Christ and you call this church your home, when you come in those doors, you are not here for yourself. You may think you are. You may think I'm bringing my family to church and and we're going to worship, we're going to receive, but your main purpose as a follower of Christ and a member of this church is to meet the needs of others who don't call this church their home yet, who don't know Jesus and so you serve in, in whatever way, in whatever capacity possible. And, and maybe it's, it's even as simple as extending a hand to somebody you don't know. But you welcome them in. You let them know that they are loved, that God loves them, that this church loves them. But you are on mission when you come in this building. You're also on mission if you're a follower of Christ. Whether you call this church your home or not, if you're a follower of Christ, you are on mission when you leave these doors. When you go out and you find a need in the community, you allow God to work in your life to meet that need. You are on mission Nonstop, And we have hundreds of people in our church who meet needs in a variety of ways. This morning, um, I've got one more video, uh, just a way for us as a church to say thank you to all of you that serve so faithfully in this church. And while this video is playing, I'm going to have some team leaders come up, and, and you're going to have an opportunity to meet some of the people that lead our volunteers uh, here in the church. But if you serve in our church, this video is for you. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.